Welcome to The Journey, where we are going to talk about a lifestyle with dogs and throw in a few life lessons along the way. Whether you're a hound hunter, a bird dog enthusiast running setters, pointers, retrievers, or a flat-out running dog junkie, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Heath Hyatt, a certified law enforcement canine trainer with over three decades of personal and professional training and handling experience. It's time for me to pay it forward. So grab your leads, lace up those boots, and come and join me on this lifelong process of teaching, training, and learning called The Journey. Do you like to be outdoors like I do? Hunting, fishing, hiking? If so, Onyx is the app for you. I've been a loyal Onyx user since 2013. It's the one app I can honestly say I use daily. While hunting, I know where I'm at at all times. I mark trails, feeding, bedding areas, and the list goes on. When I'm traveling, I use it to pre-scout all the new places that I'm blessed to hunt. While out west hiking Yellowstone, I knew exactly where every trail went and the difficulty of each one. And here's a secret. I even use it to mark my favorite fishing spots. It's been a game changer at work. I've used it numerous times to get in touch with property owners. I even landed MedFlight one time in the middle of nowhere using the GPS coordinates. Onyx has so many great features and tools, you can literally use it for everything. It is by far the best mapping app on the market. And hey, it's Houndsman XP approved. So get started with Onyx today using HXP20 and know where you stand. It is Wednesday, and you know what that means. That means there's going to be a new episode of The Journey dropping. So, <clears throat> before we get started, uh, we, we got to get some information out to you. Uh, the Houndsman XP has created its own network, and it's going to be called the Extreme Performance Outdoor Network. So what does this mean for the listeners? If you guys really enjoy listening to The Journey and The Houndsman XP and All Mixed Up and AMA, um, The Dogmen, you're going to have to go to wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple or Spotify. And I don't know where else everybody goes. That's kind of I go to Apple, so I'm not sure. But on March the 1st, we are going to be switching from The Sportsman's Empire to The Extreme Performance Outdoor Network. So you're going to have to go in to where you get it and type in the show that you want to listen to. If you want to listen to The Journey, you need to type in The Journey with Heath Hyatt. Um, there's a lot of other podcasts called The Journey. Make sure you put it in, you put With Heath Hyatt in there and it'll pop up. Once it pops up, you can like and subscribe just like you did in the first time when you started following. And it'll pop up every Wednesday when we drop a new episode and you're good to go. 
It's just a little transition there. Um, you just have to type it in your search bar. It won't take you 10 seconds to do it, and we appreciate it. Once I find figure out which um, picture or what my background is going to be for the podcast, which I'm not sure yet what I'm going to use, I will post that on my reels. I'll post it on my stories, and you can go, and that, po- that picture will be attached with it, so it'll be self-explanatory. So March 1st, everything's coming off the Sportsman's Empire. It's going on to the Houndsman XP Network, which is going to be Extreme Performance Outdoor Network. And we're just going to keep rolling. So let's get this one started. Thank you guys for following us on the journey. It's today, but we're staying in Virginia. Um He's kind of in the, the middle part of the state where I'm in the southwestern part of the state. And I actually uh, drive through your area a lot because oh God, when, I'm I tra- sorry. <laughs> when I travel down east, you know, I come through Appomattox. Okay. Um, and that's where I you're at, you. right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I come yeah, through yeah, Appomattox. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I go down to BB's or down to Doug's and hunt, I'm through there quite a bit. In fact, I'm kind of aggravated. I wanted to go to BB's this week and actually get my pups, get the pups out and work them down there this weekend. But due to scheduling and daughter's activities, she's keeping me she's keeping me bowed up with this volleyball. But, um, it only lasts <laughs> for another month. Do it. <laughs> yeah, travel ball, travel ball, like holy cow. Um, but no, we're going to talk today. Um, James and I, uh, we started um, chatting over um, Messenger on Facebook because we have a common interest um, and, and what's going on with the legislation. We got to talking back and forth about it. And we're going to bring up some perspectives that we have that we think that, that everybody should either, either realize or um, need to be better at. And then we're just going to talk dogs because that's what we're about is talking dogs. But James runs the Hound's Tail, so they like to tell stories about them old hounds, and I think they're going to get some good stuff coming in. But, uh, you know, their 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 mission on in, on his podcast is to promote a positive um, view of hound hunting. And right. us as hunters, that's what we should be doing. That's, that's what we should be doing as a whole, as a group, and that's kind of what got James and I – um, together um, talking so yep. anyway we're glad to have you on james tell a little tell my listeners um, a little bit about you what you do and then we we'll just roll from there yeah man yeah man i appreciate you having me it's definitely an honor um <clears throat> so uh, i my name's james hudson like you said i'm from central virginia you know right here smack dab in the middle of it um and i am mostly a field trial uh we run the fox pens and um and coyote pens if we do travel down south you know once we get out of the state uh, but uh uh between that and deer dog hunting that's kind of my that's kind of my niche that's kind of where i stick and uh, that's where the hounds tales podcast um that's where we kind of center our focus at but um but like you said you know the, the main goal about it is yeah we want to tell stories we want to talk dogs i mean that's what that's what we're here for that's what we want to listen to but promoting that positive aspect at the end of everything is really what what it's all about you know i try to end a lot of my episodes on what do we got to do as houndsmen you know all my guests that's one of the biggest things i asked in in the end of it is what do we got to do as houndsmen to keep this sport alive what do we have to do you know what is your opinion what is their opinion you know on what we can improve on what we can do better to make 
it to where we can both, me and you both can, can pass it down to our kids and let them enjoy it. You know, so that's, that's kind of where, that's where my podcast and that's what I do is, you know, I, I hunt hard and, and talk about it when I'm not hunting hard. So <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a way of life. That's right. I can sit down and talk dogs all day long. And then I realize how much I don't know about dogs. Every time I do it, I'm like, yeah, man, I, you know, I, I didn't know that. Or, I, you know, that's something else I can learn and, and do. So, I mean, dog, well, that's like, the bit. You know, that's the bonus about doing this crossover thing, too. And I, I love this idea because I listen to y'all's podcast, the Houndsman XP. And, you know, I listen to a, a lot of these other ones, the Hunting Dog Public. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good dog hunting podcasts out there that I listen to. And I learn so much more. And you don't really realize until you listen to it how much you can pick up off of these other podcasts and these other like training methods and other ways of doing things for different dogs. You can really pick up a lot off of it. You know, and I, we're kind of repeating what we repeat, what we repeat, because this is, um, I had Doug on here a week or so ago, and Doug said the same thing. Like, if you have an open mind and you will listen to other people, you will gain some type of knowledge. Now, whether you want to accept that knowledge or not, that's up to you. But there, and I, t- I tell this in every class I teach, I teach a lot. Um, for the academy that, uh, you know, for our department, I, I teach a lot of classes. I do a lot of schools for canine. And I tell people every time that if you look around this room, there's 20 people in this room and you look around this room, everybody in this room knows something you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you'll be humble yep. enough to accept that and use it as a benefit instead of a, a ego trip. Um, you know, I'm up here teaching and I will say that if you don't know what you're talking about, people can pick you, pick, pick you apart really quick. They know if you're full of crap or not. And, but there's always something to learn and there's always value in it. Um, and like I said, I, I, I preach it. I say it, everybody, some, everybody around, you know, something you don't. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I did an episode with a, a buddy of mine um, in the field trial world, John Molnar, and he, I think he said it best. You know, he, the way he described it was, I don't care if they're 15 years old or 95 years old. There's going to be something that they do when we go to a field trial, go to a competition that I like to walk around. Like, And he said that. He said, I like to walk around and watch what these guys are doing with their dogs to to prep them for the hunt. To, um, to, you know, to, you know, do self-care after the first day or, or after the second day of field trial. And, you know, it's there's so much you can just observe. And if you ask questions, most houndsmen are not going to be like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, uh, you know, go on somewhere. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. Most houndsmen, if you ask them, I don't care if you are competing with each other, you know, they're going to tell you. Mm-hmm. And you can learn if you just sit there and absorb it. And it's your it's your judgment call as a houndsman to you know, use it, don't use it. Uh, yes, I like that. Yeah, no, I think that's stupid. But if you, like you said, if you take the time to just sit there and listen and ask questions, man, you can learn so much off of so many different people. And there's going to come a time if you stay, if, if, if dog, if dog life is your life, hounds, hunting, whatever it is, dog life's your life, mm-hmm. there's going to come a time that you can, you can pull that out of the, the tool shed and use it. I can promise you that because every dog's different, every situation different, every training scenario is different. Everything is nothing is the only the only thing that is constant in life is change. Yep. And you yep. know, I 
like I said, you can the more you the bigger your toolbox, the better the trainer, handler, houndsman you're gonna be. Right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And you can listen to like you said, you know, you know, speaking on that, you know, you said change is big, but then there's things that you can take from like if you listen to these guys that were hunting dogs back in the 90s and how the dogs have changed and how the ways of hunting have changed yeah there's a lot of things that don't work that they did but there's still going to be those little tricks and there's little traits that they can you know they that dog's doing that that's what that's what makes a dog right there or i can do this with this dog and make him you know heal faster or what you know whatever something like that you know those old heads man <laughs> they know some tricks and you can still even though it is changing you can still take those things and adapt them to the change so that's i don't know it's just it's that's one of the most beautiful things about this sport even though it is changing that you can still learn mm-hmm. from the past too you know i and I, I, it's funny you bring up the past cuz I was thinking about this. Um, I had a long conversation about some Garmin technology here mm, Sunday, last weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about the, the Garmins and technology and stuff. And we, were, we went back to talking about the, the old beep beep collars. And, I mean, first two dogs I had, I didn't even have a collar. I just turned them loose and chased them as hard as I could go, you know. That's it. That didn't work That's out it. too well. But um, but anyway, I, you know, I got to thinking about this. I was driving down the road and and – I got to thinking about technology because I fish a lot too. Um, I love to fish. Um, I stay on the water, but I don't have I don't have the the scope, the Garmin scope, the live scope, and I don't have a fish finder. I do have a fish finder, but I use it for depth and temperature. That's it. Um, right. But I, you just talk about technology because I'm talking about the past. Yeah. I feel like the old timers, and you know, I think one of the things that has helped me as a hunter is I didn't have that technology. You had you had to learn the woods. You had to learn where the game traveled, where they ate, where they fed at, um, where the food supply was, um, where they were bedding, and you had to get into those areas. Of course, again, the population back in the the early nineties. We're nowhere near what it is today, and and I think about technology as a whole, how it's made us lazy, and how it has taken away some of that knowledge that the, the old timers that taught me and you, um, that how it took it's taken away from that, um, and I I feel like it's a great tool. I mean, absolutely, uh, I. I like being able to know that my dog's going to cross right there in that curve on that hard top so I can be sitting there to pick him up. Absolutely. Right. But I also know that, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, Garmin's, I started using the GPS system in 13, 2013, so it's been 11 years. So let's go back Mm -hmm. to, you know, 08, 7, 8, 9. Let's go back to those years. And you had the old beep beep collar. You had to pull over, stop, and listen. Yep, here he comes. You had to pull over, stop, and listen. Yep, here he comes. And you were guessing exactly. Sometimes you guessed right, and you would be standing pretty close. And sometimes they'd cross 100, 200, 300 yards above you, and, you know, it was gone. And today with technology, I think we're always sitting there waiting in the exact same spot, which, again, I feel like it's made us lazy. Oh man, I could, I could do a whole episode on this, man. (laughs) (laughs) I really could. Um, so I come, like I said, I I come from a deer dog, you know, background. I didn't start competition field trialing until I think 2020. 
So 29, you know, 2019, 2020. So my, most of my experience, I grew up deer dog hunting and I did not pick up a GPS unit until I didn't pick up a beep beep collar until 2020. That's just how I was raised. We used ears and we knew the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky enough to be raised like that, but I'm also lucky enough to be where I grew up was right in the middle of our hunting lake like right in the middle of all our our blocks. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't nothing for us to go and say, hey, the dogs need to be trained to go flip the latch and on the gate and let them go. And they go across the road and go in and start hunting, you know, and then you listen, you listen, you listen. And, and it's, and this is an old school way of doing it. And these dogs would come home, but like, you you know, kind of talking about, you know, the, the GPS and the technology, that's one of the big things, um, and it, and it drives me nuts. Um, when, when I'm, when I'm deer dog hunting, I don't, I don't, you, I don't watch the GPS unless like you said, we're close to a road. If we're close to a road, I'll watch it and kind of really make sure either a, I can get in front of them or, or B, if they're going to come out in that hard road, I can catch them. But if we're in the block, I don't use it. It stays, it, it sits in the truck. It sits in the truck. I listen. Mm-hmm. And, I, I grew up walking dogs. I, I grew up walking the dogs into the woods, hiking them in there. You know, I know there's all, all the blocks that we hunt. I know how many bottoms are between this road and that road. And I can listen to the dogs and tell you in which path they are, which direction they're going and how they're going to come out down the road. That's and my dad's the same way. My dad was like that. My I mean, was still like that. My grandpa was like that before he passed away. That's how they were. My grandpa was deaf as all get out, but he could hear a dog three miles away and then pinpoint him exactly. Um, but on the deer dog hunting end, I think that's where the crutch has been with the technology. And like you said, the technology is a beautiful thing. I would never mm-hmm. give it up for anything. I love it. I don't know how I hunt but, without it. Like, you know, you, you have it. You're like, gosh, how did I get by without it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that you can go out and do whatever you need to do and your dogs are 100% coming home safe almost every, not 100%, but 95% of the time, they're coming home safe every time. As long as the GPS keeps in connection and doesn't fail, you know, as long as the collar stays on, they're coming home. Yep. If a dog doesn't come home, it's because I was too lazy to get out of my truck and go get it. And that's it. I I can't tell you the nights that I slept in the cab of my truck trying to keep up with dogs and 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 i didn't want to leave them in the woods like i didn't want to leave them because maybe the area we were at you know if they dropped off in a road and it wasn't safe and man i mean it's it was nights after <laughs> lots of nights and i don't i right. don't you don't leave them, i don't i don't have to leave them in the woods anymore right yeah right it's a beautiful thing but mm-hmm. then again like you said you know it's also a curse because a lot of these younger guys uh, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding degrading to the younger generation, but a lot of the younger guys that are getting into the sport are too busy sitting here doing like this, looking at their palm in, in the GPS box and trying to watch and judge a dog off of that. You can't mm-hmm. judge a dog off that. You got to get out and look, man. You got to really get out and study that dog. Watch what he's doing. Watch if he's holding the track. You know, I'm sure in y'all's cases, you know, see if he's staying on that tree or, or, or see if, you know, see if he's actually hunting the track up, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about the bear hunting side, but man, it's like, if you're going to use that GPS to judge a dog, you're not going, you're not going to be a houndsman. No, but I would, that's just the, 
that's just the God's honest truth about it. I will tell you one thing though that it was a kind of a, a shocker to me, and I'll, I'll give y'all I'll give it a quick story. So mm-hmm. when I first got the GPS, um, I, I had a, a a ragtag pack of dogs. Um, I had two two really good dogs, and then I had some young dogs coming on, and with the beep beeps, you know you. You turn the dogs loose, you turn it on, yeah, beep, 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 everybody's in the same direction. You know, an hour later, two hours later, they end up treed, and you, you know, you walk half mile, mile, however far, two miles into the tree, and everybody's there. Well, like I said, lesson learned here, I had a dog that was never all, never stayed in the race, and she always ended up the tree before I got there, and I didn't know that until I got to Garmin. And I'm like, no kidding. Well, I just learned something right there. You know that that was right. for me. Like I said, she was always falling out. She would make loops and do her thing, and then before I'd get to the tree, she and this didn't happen once. This happened every race, and I would have never hmm. known it without the Garmin. Like you talking right. about your dogs holding the line, I, I I would have never known it. The Garmin told yeah. on her. I mean, it told on. Yeah. Her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a, if it, I did an episode with Billy Gray uh, from Outdoor Dogs of Mine. Yeah, he told a story Billy. like that, man. It, he said, you know, I forget my, all the words, but he's like, this dog. I thought he was out there burning something up for three hours. And he's like, and that dog was sitting on an island waiting for it. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't yeah. doing anything, and without that GPS, he never would have known it. You know. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of like a, a two-edged sword. Like I said, it's it's gotten right. us. It's gotten us as hunters a little lazy especially the, the people that didn't that haven't uh, grew up without it for sure right and then you know the ones that did grow up without it I, I believe we have a um a knowledge base that puts us a little bit ahead because of we had to go out and hunt like you had to go out like you said and bust a brush and learn you had to learn the animal you had to learn the land you know you you had you had to learn everything Right. And, and I just don't, I don't right. think, you know, I don't think we are that society anymore. No. And, and, you know, anybody that is getting into this sport or even if you're, you know, you're in it and you're still kind of learning kind of thing, like we talked about, you can always learn something. But it, my advice is always, I mean, I know it kind of sucks. I know it's a lot of work, but if you're out there training or pleasure running, get out of the truck, man, go out there and be with them, you know. I know a lot, not everybody, you know, hikes dogs. I'm old school when it comes to my deer dogs, man. It's I'm, I'm hiking them that way. I got commands that I holler out and it keeps them close so I can control where they're going. And that's mm-hmm. how I get them in certain blocks, mm-hmm. you know? So I highly advise And even if you just go out there and walk the woods, man, you learn so much on how a dog's going to run. Mm-hmm. by walking those bottoms like you can look at a gps and say oh well yeah they're taking a beeline straight this way but i know because i've walked it that there's a bottom between there and that road and they're going to hit that bottom and take a hard right and they're actually going to go up above where you think they're coming yep yeah knowing those little benches and knowing those those um little uh hidden hollers like yeah i mean absolutely mm-hmm. um Yep. Yes, but again, that's from from getting out and and doing. It. And like I said, your the lay of your land's a little different now, but absolutely, right. yeah, yeah. Well, and you know something else too, and I'm, I'm sure this is kind of a roll into it. You know, it's I think that the GPS is also going to be what saves our sport. It, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah, and I need to apologize to any of you you dear doggers that heard my podcast. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that's what James is like. Hey, man. Like, yeah. So just to clarify, I said that, you know, I see a lot of deer dogs without collars, uh, tracking collars. And let me just clarify that. The I haven't seen it in person because I've been very few times. And I will say that I was down at Chipokes. Um, back in December, early December, and hunted with uh, the Clements, uh, Whitney and her dad. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, two or three truckloads of dogs, and the, every dog had a collar on them. So that was my personal experience. But you see a lot of posts. We talk about social media. You see a lot of posts with dogs, you know, a, 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 you know, 20, 30 dogs running around, and none of them have collars on them. And that was my perception. So, you know, perception is reality. That's what you think. Um, but in my real-life experience, the only time I've been, like I said, every dog had a collar on it. And James was like, yeah, we all run. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> so just forgive me. I wasn't talking out of um, ignorance or anything. Like I said, when you, you see stuff on Facebook all the time, and we know the Facebook, I call it fake book because it's never half That's the time right. it's never right. But, um, you know, you see a lot of posts with with dogs running without collars and that's what just kept going through my head so my apologies right <laughs> guys <laughs> <laughs> well and you gotta think too you know um uh, like my dad's dogs like a lot of times you know if he if he gets them back from after pleasure running he, you know he'll you know we don't have a leash law you know it's open fence law in virginia and they're like pets to us i mean what do you do with your normal you know your normal yard dog you just let them out mm-hmm. you let them stay so a lot of times, you know, during the weekends, he just lets them chill out in the yard. Now, if they get a wild hair and they want to go run again, they go run again. And I think that may be sometimes where that confusion hits or, um, you know, jailbreaks. Jailbreaks happen mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You know, and I think that's probably 95% of what those posts that are on Facebook are probably jailbreaks. Mm-hmm. You know, the innocent ones, at least. Yeah. You know, a lot of those guys, and a lot of those times, they're just they're just jailbreaks where dogs got out. I mean, hell, we ha- we had it last week. We had uh, my my running partner. Um, we were getting ready to go pleasure running, and his daughter walked up to the lot and said, "I helped Daddy," and flipped the latch, mm. and out the door they went. <laughs> they gone. They gone. Out the door they went. So I mean, you know, there, there's so many, like you said, it's perception, but there's so many situations that yeah. Um, and you don't know what context or what the backstory is. That's the pro. That's another problem with fa- with fa- Facebook. You don't know, right? Yeah, right. <clears throat> so right, and any and and that's you know, and anybody can go on there and write anything. Mm-hmm. That's right. Anything. There's no oath behind it. Nobody's nobody's word is anything no more. You know, you can go on there and said the grass is blue and the sky is purple, and everybody, oh my God, he really saw that. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. So James, what kind of do- I mean, so what what kind of dogs you run and what. I mean, um, you got a mixture, you're running a certain breed, or you got different dogs for different... I know you said you run fox and deer. Yes. So, I, I, I'm one of the few that have... Well, I say the few. There's probably more out there than I know, but I have a deer pack, and I have a field trial pack. You mm-hmm. know, some of my field trial dogs will run deer, but their main purpose and what I have them for is to field trial. The competition, fox pens, mm-hmm. you know, coyote pens, that's what they're for. Um, and those are American Foxhounds. Those are fully registered, you know, by the book, pedigree, all that kind of stuff of Foxhounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Yeah, and they're Walker. You know, they're Walker foxhounds. Right. I don't really mess with the Julys. I don't go to the Trig and and into that. Um, you know, there's there's a little off kilter style, but you know, mostly July and stuff like that. But I'm I'm a Walker guy. Uh, now my deer dogs, they are. I couldn't tell you. They're mixed up bunch of stuff. I know there's not a beagle, and uh, beagle guys don't kill me. I don't like nothing short. And I like to run. <laughs> mm. Well, that was going to be but one of my I, questions. Is like. Um, do, do you, do you like your dogs to like flat out scald them or do you like to just to push them through blocks where they're, they can get a shot? So my, and that's why I like the, where my deer dogs are at right now. Um, like I said, they're a mixed up bunch of stuff, but there's a little bit of foxhound in them. There is tree and walker. I mean, there's coon stock, you know, there's that kind of, you know, um, there's red tick and there's a big mixture. Like they come out all kinds of different, you know, patterns and colors. You know, I've had dogs that are almost solid white with a little, with a bunch of blue tick in them and Mm -hmm. it's from the same litter and it's, it looks like a, a tree and walker in the next, you know, puppy, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, it's just a big mix, but there, those dogs are slow enough to really break down and hunt and but if they get up on it they're fast enough to stay with it and drive it out of the block um me personally and it, and this is where that the, the adaptive um it, it, if i was a millionaire i'd have a pack of beagles i'll put it to you that way mm-hmm. and the reason i say that is there's different blocks um there's smaller there's smaller blocks that we have that are really thick that have a bunch of roads in them if you could take a pack of beagles in there and not blow out of the block in the first 10 minutes of the chase that's great let them deer bounce around in front of that beagle the beagle's going to hold on to it they're they're perfect for that I, I will never take that away from a beagle but we also have blocks that are a thousand two thousand acres and i'm trying to see how fast i can drive that government goat from one end to the other you know, that's just the way I like it. I love pushing a deer. I love mm-hmm. pushing it. That's just my preference when it comes to a deer. I like seeing it. I don't want to, when I, when, if I shoot a deer, I want the dogs to be close. Mm-hmm. I want the, I want to pull the trigger, see the deer drop and turn my head to the left. And there's the dogs. I, I'm not one that's, you know, okay, but here come, here come the dogs, you know, a few minutes later. That's great. You know, it's per, personal preference there, but mm-hmm. For me, that's why I like the walker, the long-legged dogs, is is for that reason. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, the, the one experience I had, the dogs were a little bit further behind than that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it Not far, but I'd done enough video, and like the, I'd see the deer, the deer would come through, and within a minute, I mean, you're looking at a minute, so a little bit slower than what you're saying, but not ridiculous either. Well, and that's, and I would say that's a safe average. You know, a lot of guys are going to get on Facebook, you know, like you said, it's, they're going to get on Facebook, tell what they want to tell, but Mm -hmm. the God's honest truth is most time deer dogs are not looking at it. They're Mm -hmm. not, I don't care. I mean, you do have your times where dogs are, are, are looking at it, trying to breathe the same oxygen. But most of the time I'd say those dogs are probably somewhere around that minute range behind, you know, 30 seconds to, you know, even a minute or two mm-hmm. depends on what the deer's doing and how it's running. You know, big buck, that sucker is going to run a straight line. Big bucks run a straight line. They know, get the hell out of Dodge and let's get out of here. And they're going to, they're going to put it in the wind and go. So that makes it harder for a dog that, 
not necessarily harder, but it's not as easy to keep up. I mean, you got to think they're twice as tall, you know, as, as a dog, as any walker. I don't care what kind of walker you have. They're twice as tall, so they're going to stretch out and they're going to know how to stretch out. So those dogs are going to get behind a little bit. And that leads me to another question, which I know it doesn't affect our listeners, but it always it's always something that I I think about. So when you mm-hmm. run a big buck out of a thousand acre mm-hmm. block, mm-hmm. because you said he beelines, mm-hmm. how long does it take him to come back? How long before you see that deer again? Usually next day. Mm-hmm. That's right. At the most. At yeah. the most. I mean, I've even we've even ran a buck in the morning before like first chase and the last chase we go back to that block and we ran that same buck so he come he circled I mean, right back just circles they know where home's at that's right yep they know where home's at i mean you know you always see a lot of your you know your your antis on there and they're mm-hmm. talking about oh they drove the deer away mm-hmm. and you know this and that there's studies and if you read austin tomlin's book yep <laughs> he's got the proof behind it man like yeah. they even collar deer and they're most i think it was like a 90 something percent was back within like two days mm-hmm. like that stat is just insane you know uh, you know and for my guys listening you know what is that what is that on on bear do, do the bear straight line out of there or you know or are they more of a circle kind of thing i don't like i said I don't, i've never been so i don't really know it depends um most I mean, most if you're in their home range, which they have a pretty big home range, um, like you'll catch a juvenile boar traveling mm-hmm. to get to find somewhere. And now he may he may be lined across two or three mountain ranges, um, but most of the time they're they're right back. Like you know, and I'll just use training season because that's a little easier when the food, mm-hmm. you know, the berries are on. I mean, you can drive down the the one logging road today, strike a bear, run and tree it. Come back tomorrow, strike the bear, run and tree it. Now, how many times do we tree the same bear? I don't know. But when you're striking in the same place, making pretty much the same race and treeing in the same area, like, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. And it's the same size bear. Like, I'd love – I carry a cow tag. One of my buddies put a cow tag in my truck, and he goes – he goes, I want you to climb up there and tag one of them so we can see how many times we treat. <laughs> it's literally, there's a green cow tag in my in the dash of my truck, but I haven't done that yet. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean. If you, you better get it on video when you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. They'll laugh at me all the way. But, um, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you treat we treat a lot of the same bear. Um, so they're not leaving. Um, you know, like you said, they're not, you know, they're not leaving the area. That's their home range. They know Every nook and crank, like they know they this is where they live, right. so they're back. And like I said, it may be a couple of days, um, but they're back. And you got to think too, you know, deer and bear are both territorial. You know, like you mm-hmm. said, they have their area. And you know, I know deer will fight over a certain area. You know, there's certain does that, that that's that's where he wants to be. You know, if we get a late rut and we're able to run during rut, I mean, my gosh, that's that's some fun running, mm-hmm. but. Even even in the late season when bucks group together, um, and the reasoning behind that, yeah, that's I don't know. I'm not I'm not a I'm not that kind of person. I don't know all the ins and outs and specs and why they do this at this time and that kind of thing. But I do know late season the bucks are usually staying together. I mean, we'll run a pack of three or four bucks at a time sometimes. Mm. 
And, and, and you can go back a day later and you can run those same three or four bucks out of there. Um, but, and I think that's just a, a comfort. Like you said, it's a comfort. They know where they're at. They know where home is. They know where they're going to bed down. I mean, I, I can take you in uh, several blocks and I can take you straight to where these deer are bedding down at. I know a hundred percent where they're, where, where they're at. So, I mean, and I think that's why they come back so hard is they, this is their area. This is what they're going to do. This is where they're going to be. This is home. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, they spent their life, their lifetime there. <laughs> you know, right. they know where the food's at. They know where the bedding areas yeah. are at. You know, they know where the safe zones are at. Like, but, that's it. yeah, I mean, why leave, why would you leave that? Just because a dog's chasing me in circles for a couple of hours, like, mm, nah, I'll be all right. Right. Yeah. Well, and you got to think too, you know, and I know a lot of the guys, you know, um, on the field trial side, like when we go to these pens and pleasure run, especially if you go down to a, a coyote pen, mm-hmm. it is the craziest thing I've ever seen. You know, some people are probably listening like, oh, coyotes in a, in a pen or foxes in a pen. That's, that's cruel. That's unusual. You know, blah, blah, blah. Look, I got a pen that I go to, and when I come through the gate, there's two of them sitting at the gate waiting, and they wait for you to drop the gate, and they and, and then they take off. I need it's to do, a game to them. I need to do some trash breaking down there. You need to say, you need to hook me up, man. I I got two dogs. I need to I need to test their patience a little bit. I, I never believed it until I saw it in person. And sure enough, man, you go to some of these pens and, and sure enough, you drive into the gate and you, t- and you take your light and scan and there's th- two, three, you know, four coyotes sometimes just looking at you, just like, all right, drop them. And I mean, I've watched them like pitter back and forth, like, all right, here we go. We're getting exercise. We're going to, we're going to do this. And they just wait for the dogs and it's a game to them. They love it. Hmm. Nice. So, so what's the difference? So you're running dogs and I, and I wrote this, I wrote me a little note here. So three of my dogs have quarter running dog in them. Mm-hmm. So I got them from Mike Kemp and, um, <clears throat> so they've got the running dog in them. Uh, right. I, I, I really like the dogs. They're super fast. Um, I, I like a dog that can pick his head up and catch. Like that's my personal preference. Like, right. Um, I don't particularly care for a dog that bobs his head and can't can't make up ground. Um, even though right. I own them and I, I'll probably still own them because that's why they call it a pack because you got to have five right. dogs to do one thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, unless somebody's breeding the perfect dog out there, and I'll I need to talk to you. But um, they're right. you know they're super fast. Um, they're gamey. The little bit as they're when they're younger, they're a little bit weak on the tree. But after that year and a half mark, um, I mean, they're 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 great. They're great tree dogs. Um, and the thing that I do like, and I've had this happen several times throughout their their hunting experience, is if your dogs pull up slick, mine going on bite, like they gonna go because they they that track. Um, so that's some, right. that's some positives or some things that I've seen in the, those dogs that I really like. Um, mm. and like I said, I, I'm not smart enough to know how to breed that back and forth and make it work. Um, I've heard a lot, I've asked a lot of people, I've got a lot of different opinions and I just don't have enough experience with it myself, but I do know that, like I said, three of mine have a quarter running walker in them and I, I like them. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're talking about if, if it's slick and they pull off real fast, I, and that's something I've really noticed about the, the Foxhound, you know, the, the, the Foxhound walkers, you know, the, the actual register one. I think they're, and I'm not calling these dogs stupid by any means, but I think their attention span is a lot shorter than some of the tree stock, you know, tree stock dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is if, and I don't know if it's a cold thing. I don't know if like a cold nose thing, or I don't know if it's a scenting. I don't know if it's a brain thing, but I, I've noticed that as well. Like it, after a, if so in our instance, after a deer shot, my, my, my tree stock dogs, my deer, my true deer dogs, those dogs are going to stay right there. They're not going nowhere. They're not going out to go find something. They've got their reward. They're sitting there looking at it. You're petting them and, and they're, they're right there with you. You don't have to leash anything. You know, you, you know, they're going to stay. Them fox sounds, you better put your hands on them because they're going to look at that thing. All right, that, that one's done. Let's go get another one. You know, they, they have no care about sitting there looking at it. They want to, they, they want to chase. Mm-hmm. I think that the chase is what thrives those, that style dog. And I may be talking out of my butt here, but that's just my experience. Um, what I see out of the out of the foxhound breed is is that. Well, and it's funny you say that because I've you know with this pack of dog that I'm running now, um, and all of them, they, they all of them are pretty much the same. Uh, they they prefer the chase, um, mm-hmm. but once the you know if we if we ta- if we harvest a bear and take it out, they're not leaving. But they could care less right. that it's that it's it's over. Like they right. could care less. Like my dogs are not down there mauling and wooling and whatever you want to call it. Like, nah, they'll sniff on it. Yep, all right, we did our job and they'll go on. And you know, when people say that you've got to give your dogs game, you gotta knock stuff out, you gotta knock stuff out. Like me now with you know, a couple years under my belt and getting long in the tooth. Like I realize so more that if you've got the right genetics, like that is nothing more than a, um, un- uneducated, um, statement. Right. You know, and, and yeah, you, you want to give your dog some game. Absolutely. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying that, right. You know, to, to have to give them everything that they catch or tree, Mm, not hardly like my dogs are in for the chase like you said that chase is the game to them like it's the game and you know and i think instincts pick up so much like i I think that's what you're you know you that's kind of what you're talking these dogs have such good and some dogs don't Mm -hmm. and some dogs don't so my my deer pack the the my when i got back out of college you know long story short i ended up getting some of my dad's old dogs that he used to have and and brought it back home and and bred to a dog that he had and i know for a fact that the dog that i went and got the the male that he used to have the 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 mom to that dog was a purebred registered tree and walker dog like a hundred percent tree and walker Mm -hmm. but she wouldn't treat a coon she wouldn't treat a coon she wouldn't run a bear she had no interest in that but she would absolutely drive a deer Hmm. absolutely drive a deer. And my dad ended up getting her, I think for free, if I'm not mistaken, like the, he knew a guy that worked with somebody or one of those kind of situations. And the guy was like, look, you deer hunt this dog. I cannot trash break it. And she will not touch a coon. That's what the guy was all about was coon hunting. Mm -hmm. He's like, she won't touch it. 
and he uh, gave it to her. And that has been in my breeding program since because hmm. she was that good. So, I mean, that's where your instincts take over. You know, they tried and tried and tried, and I'm sure they knocked plenty of game out to her, mm-hmm. you know, because I think she was two when we got her. And, you know, I'm sure they did all kinds of the training that you do for coons. And no matter what, she wanted the deer. That's what she wanted. So that's where that instinct. And if you can breed that instinct and keep that instinct in, man, you talk about making something dangerous. Yep. Yep. No, it's it's interesting. Um, it's very interesting to to see that because, you know, I've been I've been of the mindset on the front end of that. And I've like I said, I'm kind of on the back end of it now that. You know, if the, if the dogs are put together genetically correct, um, mm-hmm. just let them do their thing. Just yeah. let them do their thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, you know, you, you said something earlier. I, I was I was kind of a it was an interesting take. You know, you're talking about what, uh, you know, it, do you put more foxhound in them or do you take, you know, put more tree stocking or, you know, or, or bear dog into them? And, you know, and that's something that I look for, like, um. So in my original pack, I got one dog left. Uh, I call him Vader. That's that's my that's my boy. He's been my A one since day one dog. I and mean, he's been a life once in a lifetime deer hound. And I bred him to keep his you know to keep his bloodline going. I wanted something that was just a touch faster. So I actually bred him to one of my foxhounds. Mm. So that's what I looked for. Is I picked that trait, and I got a deer. You know, I got a foxhound that. She's our, our brood jip, but she will, she, she loves a deer and she is fast, man. Like she has got a set of wheels. And, um, I bred her to her cause I knew that for one, she's got a good nose. So I'm not going to lose that nose, but I knew she had the speed. Like he was a fast dog. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't slow by any means, but I wanted something that was just a, a, a tick faster. Mm-hmm. And that's what I went after, you know? And I think that's almost what, you know, that's the kind of the way I look at it is I figure out where I'm lacking mm-hmm. and then that's where I go. Yeah. That's what I attack. Yeah. And and brings me to another question. So <laughs> tell me about the noses because um, that's something I'm struggling a little bit with coming from my old stock that I used to hunt. Mm-hmm. And again, we have a better bear population, I don't need a dog to get down and and cold trail for days. I I don't need that. But Mm -hmm. that's what got me into hunting, and that's what got me into the police canine world was the tracking part. Um, That's Mm -hmm. what, you know, the first time I ever had a dog, which was my old frosty dog, and, um, you know, sit up on top of a ridge and listen to him trail down the holler and hit a – and, you know, he had a dry creek bed and he went down that creek bed and then he went back up another holler and up the uh, spine of a ridge. And, you know, he just he was trailing. I sat there and I'm like, um, you know, the reality kind of hit me is that he's telling a story. He's mm-hmm. telling me everywhere this game went and that if I if I did not hear him telling the story, I would have never known that that animal was there. And that's yep. what's so great about hound hunting. And get, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to get excited there, but it gives me chills yeah. just remembering that that epiphany that I had sitting there on the side of the mountain that day, you know, thinking about this. But anyway, the nose. What mm-hmm. like what kind of nose does your your foxhounds have? 
Okay, so the foxhounds. Um, and and uh, this now you now you're getting touchy because. <laughs> <laughs> I, personally speaking, I don't think the foxhounds have the nose that a tree stock dog has. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you may go talk to somebody that's that has what we call like old Hellum stock. And I have a dog that has old Hellum stock. That's just uh, he was he, he actually just passed away here recently, but a legend in the sport, mostly white dogs. And I mean, he was absolutely dominant for decades. And this was back though when you needed a nose heavy dog mm-hmm. um but that was when most of your field trials were on the outside too Two now that now that we're mostly in pens i mean i'd say 95 percent of your hunts your field trials are ran in in the pens two and, and like i said you know you ask and this is just the way i see it too heavy of a nose in the fox pen will get you in trouble Point wise, um, well, not necessarily point wise, scratch wise, like getting eliminated from the hunt. Uh-huh. So there, there's rules in play, like a running a covered track. Um, th- there's um, uh, loafing. There's a uh, failure to hark. Uh, not necessarily loafing. Loafing's not you know doesn't pertain to that. But the, the failure to hark, and pretty much what that is is by the rules and i may be misquoting that just by a hair but i'm pretty close to it if if a dog hears a chase if you're within that dog's within earshot of a chase that dog is supposed to hark to it that dog is supposed to quit what it's doing and go but if you got a track heavy dog that has a good nose like i got a dog that it took him a long time to get adjusted to his nose because he had a good nose and it was getting him in trouble so he wasn't going to these chases. And by rule, you can't give a hunting score. Yeah, he may be hunting his tail off. But if he's in a spot where he can hear a chase, by rule, that dog is supposed to go. By 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 the rules of field trialing, you're supposed to go to that chase. You're supposed to drop what you're doing, go get in the chase, and go compete. So by rule, that dog's not allowed to get a hunting score because he should be harking. You may not necessarily be able to track him, but I mean, uh, scratch him, excuse me. You may not be able to scratch him because he is still working. He is doing things that a hound is supposed to be doing, but he's not going to get scored. He's just wasting his time in the middle of that five hour block. Um, and then you have covered track. I mean, then that's a whole nother subject, but covered track is running over or hitting on and running a track that has already been ran over is pretty much what the, you know, the essence of that rule is. So if you got a dog that has a really cold nose in a fox pen, I mean, you got to think you're in, you know, a couple anything from a, a 50 acre fox pen to a, a 1800 acre fox pen. And if that dog runs over the same track a few minutes later that a, a pack just came through, the judge can 110% scratch that dog for undercover track. So that cold nose that that dog has, when in all reality, like me and you sitting here, like, man, that's a good dog. He's got a cold nose. I love that. You know, I mean, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you know, the, to me, the, when I first got into the pens, I was like, man, I love a cold nose. Cause that's what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. That Vader dog has one of the coldest noses. And like you said, it got me excited. listening to you tell that story mm-hmm. because I love listening to that dog. I could take that dog in a block and he would just, boo. 
boom, and then you know, and it gets faster, and you get and when the more it gets faster, you're like, oh yeah, he's getting up on it now. Then all of a sudden he jumps and he's you know, getting after it. I oh my gosh, it just that that's what excites me in the deer woods, but in the field trial world, man, that's yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a double edged sword. You need you got to find that perfect mix of having a dog that has a good enough nose to hunt, but not one that's going to get him in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, it's and a I'm, fine line. I'm seeing with these with these dogs, and I, I said it on a previous podcast. I feel like I'm walking over some tracks that I shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I can I can go find another bear, and my my male dog literally put his nose in some tracks this year and went two or 300 yards on them and then turn around and come back. And mm-hmm. it makes me want to scratch my head. I'm like, dude, you can smell it or you wouldn't have went 300 yards with it. You know, like, right. go on the other 600 and jump it. Right. Um, right. So it, it, I don't know, like I said, in a, in a time or two, they, they took a track without saying a word and ended up catching it in a hole. And, like I said, they'll they'll rig they'll rig a track four hundred yards off the road and go find it, like or a a, wow. a bear, not a track, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the bear odor itself. Right. Um, I mean they'll they'll do that, and then you you know you just kind of scratch your head with like, and I think a lot of it. I, you know, I'm gonna go back to in you know, conversation Jeff Shetler and I had on a podcast last year. It's all about the training. Um, I've not made the dog get down and trail. I've I've pretty much, he's been on all of my, I mean, you know, they're on dog, they're on bear that's runnable because we have at this time and this time and date, we have a good population and I can, I can cover some more ground or drive around the side of another, uh, mountain range and, and find one. Um, mm-hmm. if it was like it was 20 years ago when we only caught five bear a year, like it'd be a different style of dog or if he couldn't do it, he wouldn't be eating my food because, I needed something else. So I don't know. I was just, I'm curious. I was curious about that. Like, well, you know. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I think it is a time change and it's what we're expecting of the dogs. Um, and what I mean by that is like you said, with the bear population, it was the same way with the deer, you know, 30 years ago, yep. <laughs> you know, before I was born, yeah. you know, deer were scarce here. Mm-hmm. You probably ran a red fox or a gray fox here in Appomattox twice as much as you ran a deer twice as much. I remember my papa used to tell me stories that he would just sit in a block and just listen. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, that's, that's all they could run. They wouldn't shoot the fox because yep. I mean, why shoot it? That's what you're out there. That, that's what's there. That's what you can run. There's no point of shooting it. And he ain't hurt nothing. Yep. So and a lot of clubs are still like that, yep. but we're, we're so heavily populated with deer now and it sounds like, you know, bear getting mm-hmm. the same way and we're getting in our area, bear getting insane mm-hmm. around our area. Now mm-hmm. you don't have to hunt. So why does that dog need to hunt? Maybe that yeah. dog has gotten so used to saying, okay, I haven't gone 300 yards and I haven't picked up on a hotter track yet. And you know, this track hasn't gotten any hotter, you know, forget this. I'm going to dump this and let's go, let's go wander and see if we can find a different hotter track. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of these dogs are going, you know, and, and in the deer dog words too, you know, a lot of our guys, you don't, you don't hear dogs trail very much. You send mm-hmm. them in a block, you give them a few minutes, they'll, they'll bump, 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 and then Jump. bam, a minute later, they're running. Yep. You know, it's uh, that Vader dog's one of the few in our hunting club that will take in just absolutely. Once he hits a scent, you can walk him 20 yards. If he hits a scent, he's not letting that scent go until he finds it. 
Yeah. I don't care if it takes him an hour and a half to find it. He's going to find it. Yep. You know, and I think that's just where I think that's I think that's where the dogs have gone. And it's not necessarily the hunter's fault. It's the population fault. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like I said, it's, you know, I'm not forcing him to to do that. And I, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand the um, the ins and outs of it. And I understand that, like I said, population has a lot to do with it. And my hunting style, like my hunting style right. has changed. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious on that because I, I asked the guy, and this this is one thing um, that I asked the uh, the guys with the Julys is they said they their dogs will tree. They said you know it. they'll fall off a, a cornfield chase and and fall tree the edge of a cornfield on a coon in a heartbeat, and I'm like, hmm, hmm okay, you know it was very interesting because in my mind again we'll talk about perception is a running dog yeah. a running dog like they don't tree but. I've been proven well, well think, not proven wrong, but I've been told that's a complete false. That's a false thing there. Well, you got to think too. A fox will tree. Yes, great fox. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that yep. a fox will tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were we were pleasure running last night, and I had the red light, and I watched the dogs coming through the edge of the edge of the woods, and they blew it up. And this one section, and I, I took and scanned the lights, and there was a fox had climbed the tree and just watched the dogs right up under him. A red or a gray. Uh, should have been gray. Grand I'm thoughts. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should have been gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, just they they treat. So yep. I mean, maybe some of these dogs are getting used to these foxes treeing. I mean, I don't know. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> I right. guess it depends what they get used to. Yeah, yeah. Well, James, we we're almost at an hour here. Let's, and I know we want to talk about something else before we, um, we shut this down. Um, yeah. So this week's been a very important week here in Virginia, and we're still not finished. Um, right. You know, the legislation, the Senate bill 712 got um, mm-hmm. it was a tie vote um, and our lieutenant governor, bless her heart, voted against it. Right. Thank you. Thank the Lord. Um, and I know that. Uh, and this is one thing I want to put out here for the people that's listening. You know, these podcasts are recorded, you know, a week or two in advance, sometimes three weeks in advance. So. When we put out information, we're giving you the information we have at that time, and sometimes we can't give you like the exact information on the day that it happened. So I apologize for that, but just for the structure of the podcast, like you know, we've got to have stuff turned in and, and downloaded to the platform at a certain time and date. So makes it a little bit difficult, but we're still trying to do our best and give you the best information and the most updated. But sometimes we are a couple days out so that happened on one of the podcasts and um just want everybody to get that but yeah so 712 got voted down a 2020 tie uh deeds democrat voted against it um i have already sent an email to his uh, to him telling him thank you for for voting no on that um and i want i don't want you to tell any names but i want you to tell the story what happened when you were at richmond on the lobby day so, you know, I was I was lucky enough to be able to take off of work and go to, go to Richmond for the lobby day, like you said. And overall, I think it was a great experience. If nobody has ever done it before, I highly, highly recommend. You know, I don't I'm sure other states do it, too. You know, we're like you said, we're at the beginning of this thing. We're both from Virginia. So, you know, I know in Virginia they do it. And if for anybody listening to, you know, I see a lot of things on Facebook that are like, oh, I didn't know that it was coming. I didn't know that lobby day was this. 
Lobby Day is the last Monday of January every year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that until this year, but that is it. So as a houndsman, if you, you know, especially because, I mean, this is a never-ending fight. Yep. If you want to put your your voice out there and go actually visit the people and see the people that are actually making the votes to make this stuff go through, put it on your calendar. Put it on, put it on for work. Go ahead and take it off. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's my little plug right there. But so... Uh, one of the main guys that are against dog hunting. Um, and it doesn't really make any sense because he doesn't even, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even have dog hunting in his area. I think we can just give his, we know that Marsden wrote the bill. Marsden. Marsden wrote the bill. Right. So yeah. Right. So there was a big group in Marsden's office and I was outside the office. I never got to hear it, you know, a hundred percent, but I know for a fact that all of a sudden, I watched his hands go up and say, everybody out and close his door and lock the door. And no more, no more houndsmen were let in the rest of the day. What I was told that from the guys that come out that were in there was that somebody had spoke up and said, Marsden, how long have you been doing this? And he said, 15 years. And somebody spoke up and said, yeah, that's 15 years too long. That's, from multiple people that's that's word for word 100 percent. right after it happened that's what was said yeah man and and that just it ticked him it ticked him off i mean and and he was he was very from my understanding and i talked to several people that were in the room he was very um adamant that he wasn't changing his mind Mm -hmm. and we kind of know you know he's been after this for a long time you know he's the reason that fox pens are not you know, able to be built and are going to be shut down in, you know, 30 more years, whatever it is. But he had a, I mean, hell, he had a damn hat on his, on his desk that said end all fox hunting. So, I mean, we know where the guy stands. So attacking the man is, is not, and it just, it, it ticked him off and it absolutely gave nobody the chance to have a calm, cool, collective conversation and maybe explain some things and, who knows, maybe bring a new perspective to his light, you know, from, I mean, I I was trying my best to get to everybody I could. And, you know, when I went, I wanted to speak to the guys that represented my area. That's where I attacked first. And that's where I went after. And I was lucky enough to be able to get in and talk to these guys one-on-one, but, and then I started going towards Marsden and then I got there as that happened. And like I said, he shut the door. And not an orange hat was allowed in that room after that. Um, so, I mean, th- that, man, that, that, w- that was a big lose of the day, in my opinion. Yeah, we're, we know we're not going to change. You know, he's very adamant where he stands, right? I mean, he wrote the mm-hmm. bill, this is, and he's telling you guys, but he was cordial enough to let you come in his office. And you said there were probably 30 people in there, and at least yeah. – um, speak you know speak on behalf of what you 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 did and you know this is one thing and i had this conversation today with a friend of mine you know i i mean i live to hunt like really like i live to hunt if i'm not at work 98 well i gotta bring it back to about 90 because maddie's keeping me busy but like (laughs) um if i'm not at work i'm in the woods or on the water and that's what I do. I mean, that's what I love to do, and that's where I spend my time, and, and that's 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 my life. 
And mm-hmm. one thing that I do not, I don't want them to change any law. That's where I stand. But I also understand that sometimes you have to compromise or you lose everything. Right. And I would rather, I would rather be a part of the solution than part of the problem. And um, you and I had this conversation that we, you know, us as hunters, we have to represent ourselves better, and we get emotionally. And I, I'm I'm as guilty. I raise my hand right now. I'm guilty because it's um, it's near and dear to me. Like it's it is. I've done it my whole life, and I I plan on doing it as long as I can. And I want my children. I you know I want my my kids to be able to enjoy the things that I enjoy. But I also know that going and attacking people verbally is not right. is not going to help our cause. We need to be we need to have legitimate arg- arguments for our behalf. We need to be well spoken and we need to be articulate. You know, that's one thing in my profession that like when I write a report, I have to articulate exactly what happened and why it happened and what took place after it happened. And that's something right. that I sometimes I don't think we that's something I think we can approve on. Yes. Yes, I agree 100%, 110%. And and like you said, you know, it's it's so easy to get emotionally charged. And I think I don't, I don't know Marston. I've never never got to talk to the guy. I've never met him before, but I got a feeling that maybe that was kind of his ploy. You know, and mm-hmm. I could be talking out of my butt here, you know, but how easy was it for him to say, okay, I'm going to just keep egging these guys on and get somebody to blurt out something. And now we're the enemy. Mm-hmm. Now we're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're under our scope, guys. We're, we're under a microscope. So every little thing, I mean, you talked about perspective earlier. And I mean, that's houndsman to houndsman, you know, not not you know and thinking uh, on uh, on you know having a, a different you know a different view on the, on the no collar thing and not you know and having that kind of you know that might you know that different thought you know for somebody that doesn't know dog hunting at all think about how easy it would be to say that dog is not uh, that dog is abused and that dog is this and you know whatever you know it, without us being able to go in there and explain in a calm collective manner why this is a bad idea why this bill was a bad idea um it just gave him more fuel for the fire mm-hmm. is all it did i mean look at the i mean i think it was amended twice by the time it finally reached final vote yes um yeah we we a lot of people tried to push that last verbiage that was in there um and even with the verbiage that a lot of us recommended, it still got voted down, you know, thank the Lord. But one thing that mm-hmm. we all have to understand that this is this ain't over. This is just starting. Mm-hmm. And we've got mm-hmm. to be prepared and organized. And like I said, we've got to come to, together as a community. Um, you know, all, all, all dog owners, because we all got lumped into this, deer dogs, bird dogs, you know, duck dogs, track, you know, blood tracking. We all got lumped into this and we're still working on, you right. know, the SB 30 and the HB 30. 
Um, yep. You know, I seen some posts today about that, and it you know it's got to go fi- through the appropriations committee. But um, you know, we've all got to stay together and do do more good than harm. And and I'm not saying that that with him didn't harm us because you know he's got his mind made up. But if we're going to move forward as as houndsmen, we have got to we've got to do a better job um, articulating our why. Mm-hmm. Our why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yep. why some of these laws are not conduced. That that, that bill was written poorly. Um, it got some momentum. And um, I think that Senator Stewart was one of our saving graces from what I'm hearing mm-hmm. that he mm-hmm. got behind closed doors with Marsden and really tried to get some of that stuff changed because, you know, from, from your, from central Virginia to where I'm at, all, I can't tell you the miles and miles of road that run through national force. There's no private property, nowhere in between. Like, right. you know, and, and I can't, can't turn my dog loose there. Well, I, you know, put it on a lead and take it 15 foot. Um, we all know how well that'll work, but, uh, right. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, you, you and I having that conversation and, you know, I th- we're both on the same page and, you know, you have you have an audience that you talk to and I have an audience that I talk to. And this is about coming together and mm-hmm. being better. That's it. Being better. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, and that, that was one thing that I've been super impressed with lately. And I don't think it's perfect by any means is that. I remember, you know, five, 10 years ago where it seemed like if it was the bear hunter's problem, it was the bear hunter's problem. Mm -hmm. If it was the deer hunter's problem, it was the deer hunter's problem, you know? And I think that we're getting, I think we're getting better as far as uniting as one, as instead of considering ourselves bear hunters, you know, you're a bear hunter. I'm I'm a deer dog hunter. I'm, I'm a foxhound guy. You know, I'm a squirrel guy. You know, I think we're all throwing away those titles and getting better about uniting as houndsmen. But mm-hmm. and, and I think that works so good because, like you said, you know, I don't hunt national forest. I'll, mm-hmm. Everything in our in our club is private land. So that bill was going to affect a little bit, but nothing crazy for me. But listening to you talk about it, that puts it in a whole different perspective. I mean, that would have really hurt you guys, mm-hmm. really hurt you guys. And I never would have thought that without communicating with people, without, mm-hmm. you know, talking to you and listening and, and understanding the different points. Because at first, you know, they, the way it was originally wrote up, the 712, I was like, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's, it's really not going to hurt. In fact, it'd probably do a whole lot of better. But now listening to you talk about how it's really going to hurt y'all in the national, you know, in, in the for in the, mm-hmm. in the uh, state forest or whatever, you know, I'm like, oh, gosh, man, we can't have that. We cannot have it. Mm-hmm. So and, and that puts a drive in me. Not, not that I'm saying that I was ever like, yeah, go, you know, this is this is our chance to, to settle and, and make the landowners happy. Um. But listening to you, you know, it's more like, okay, now I really have an understanding of why this cannot pass. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like, you know, just like the the guys down east, you know, it's going to affect them too because, you know, there are blocks that they hunt around and they've got permission on 1,200 acres and there's a 50-acre block that kind of sets adjacent or on the corner that, 
like you know it 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 was going to affect a lot of people um mm-hmm. and it was not going the the law was not going to it really wasn't going to solve the problem um right it was just going to cause more problems for us as houndsmen or not problems but it was going to cause more more um hardship on us i guess on the way right. that we do things we was going to have to change the way we do things and you know everybody hates change <laughs> and again that goes back to what i said earlier the only thing in life is that is a constant has changed. So we got yeah. to adapt, but yeah, I mean, just, we got to do better. We got to be more articulate and make sure that we can explain our position, why it's important, what it does and doesn't affect. And, you know, just do a better job of that all the way around. Well, and, and something else with that too, you know, if you do go to any of these lobby days or if you go to, you know, sit in on your board, you know, you know, UDWR board meetings and stuff like that, and you do get the chance to speak. Guys, remember, they do not care that it's your heritage. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They know that. They know, I mean, they, they I'm sure they, you know, everybody's going to have a soft spot for it, but they know that. Everybody knows it's your, it's your, heritage they know george washington did it they know all these things that you're bringing to the table that are this is why i want to do it this is why you know this is why i live for it it's like you said and you said it really nice like you got to explain why the the proposed bill is a negative you have to and make them understand that you know like you said you know uh, with 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 the um with the right of way casting, mm-hmm. this is why this is not going to work. You know, like the the SB thirty. You know, I can sit here and I, I explain this one to one of our guys, and I said, "Look, I was like, the way this thing is going to end up going with these dog permits and these you know these uh, dog hunter permits is it's going to end up like the Georgia rule." And I actually talked to a guy from Georgia that is that hunts under those rules and they have stickers in the back of their trucks mm-hmm. and it's got a number on it. And that's what your, you know, your dog hunter identification number is. So if you turn dogs loose on Billy Bob's land that didn't like dog hunting and he come out with a camera and recorded the dogs going across the land and then went to the first truck he saw going past and it was my truck and I didn't do anything wrong. Now I'm getting the ticket and they, there's no way to prove my innocence because you got it on camera that there's dogs turned loose. And now you got an empty dog box with a sticker and that's, that's who I saw. And all you have is the landowner's word. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I talked to, you know, he was like, man, I never thought about it like that. He's like, man, that that's, that won't work. Will it? And I'm like, no, it won't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's not a foolproof thing. And, and I think that day I'm not trying to make some kind of claim that I've changed somebody's mind, but I think it opened his eyes to where this can go and why this is not going to be a good idea. Yeah. 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 So, well, James, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we could talk for more hours, a lot more hours. Right. I, feel, I mean, it's right. hours flew by. It feels like we've been talking for five minutes. But uh, anything, anything you want to leave us with, guys? And and this is and like I said, you know, this is good because we got two platforms going right here. If we don't, and like I said, I don't know a whole lot about the the, the bear hunting and the coon hunting guys. I don't know if they hunt as clubs and that kind of stuff, but guys. You know, we can preach bad seeds to these 
to DWR, to these senators, to these guys all the time. But if we don't start self-policing, mm-hmm. that's that's a huge thing that I try to preach is we've got to self-police. You know, I know you may have a buddy that turns his dogs loose because uh, a 14-point buck with the 23-inch bread just come through there. And, God, we can't lose that track. Guys, we've got to be smart, man. Mm-hmm. There's too, there's There's too many. No, you can't do it. You can't do it. And if you see somebody doing it, if they're in your club, I don't care if they've been your best friend since diapers. You need to either pull him to the side and say, you do it again, you're out, or you just need to go ahead and get rid of Because if we don't start self-policing, we're going to lose it. Mm -hmm. We can preach self-policing and bad seeds all we want, but until we actually start acting on it, we're we're just, we're just, peeing in the wind yeah. <laughs> you know yeah and, I, and i've said that on several podcasts is you know we've got it we've got to take care care of that we've got us we've got to police ourselves and hopefully that'll correct a lot of the and it, it's it's not the majority of people are trying to do right and mm. sometimes people just get you know they get excited and do something like oh i shouldn't have done that you know problem fixed yeah D- don't do it again problem fixed but then you got people right. that are continuously you know skirting things and that's that's what's causing us the problem so yeah <laughs> all right that's james it. i really appreciate it man help you thank you for helping us teach train and learn yes sir i appreciate you having me on and i appreciate you doing this uh dual dual podcast here <laughs> and i hope everybody on my end enjoyed it as well and thank you so much for uh for doing this man it's a great time absolutely buddy